Welcome to the What's a Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope all is well. It's the middle of June. Actually, you know, June 18th. Is it June 18th, Leon? Is it June 18th? I, I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, dear brother. If it's June 18th, I need to give a shout out to uh, our dear frat brother. Uh, wonderful. Uh, good father himself. Our, our big brother, <laughs> Christopher Eugene Powell. Today is his birthday, dear brother. Did you know that? I did. I did. Facebook keeps me well, well informed. <laughs> No doubt. Yeah, no, no, I should know that, however, by by just pure going through my pledge process, but Facebook helped me out along. No doubt, no doubt. So shout out to our big brother, uh, who has made sure that we are, you know, good men of Omega. Uh, my brother, our brother, my good stallion friend, Christopher Eugene Powell. Happy brother. I know you're probably turning 50 today, so happy 50th. <laughs> uh, happy 50th to it. So as I say to all my all my revolutionaries, as you know, this is your time in the world. This is your time for change. Revolution is not only about you, it is about what you can do for your communities, what you can do for your families, what you can do for your sons and daughters, for your aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews. Revolution is about personal change that has an impact on the world. And so if you ever need some help, you can always reach out on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, WY Revolution on Twitter, What's Your Revolution on Instagram and Facebook. You can hit me up on my Facebook, personal Facebook at Charles Corpru. But let's get started. Yesterday, uh, two days ago, that's right, it was Father's Day. And we give a shout out to all the good men, even the uncles, the godfathers, all right, and the fathers who spend their time with their children and their families. And it means something in this world today to say that I'm a dad and to say that I'm a father, right? Because, you know, you can be out there and, and, and have created children, but it does not mean that you are a dad or that you're a father. Because fatherhood means responsibility. Fatherhood means respect and love and care. And I ha always have to give a shout out to my father, all right, Charles S. Corpru Jr., uh, the man that has shown me how to be anything but revolutionary. He is, is the man that is show, shows me that every day you get up, even, even when your spirit does not foster you to go, you do. And that's what I saw. I saw a revolution get up every day, go to work to lead, right, to lead schools, to lead communities, to lead nonprofit organizations, to lead for-profit organizations. He said, Chucky, yes, I said it. He said, Chucky, you've got to be in front. You got to make sure that you lead because people need to see you. They need to hear you because we need good people like you. And I've tried to hold to what my father has taught me and then try to give back. And so I ask all of you to thank your fathers. Give them a good hug. No matter if it's Father's Day or any day, tell them that you love them. And so we're going to spend this time today talking about fathers. And I remember this brother. I met, I met this brother who's on the phone. We've already somewhat introduced him, but I met him the first day of college. Leon, do you remember that, dear brother? <laughs> you know, man, yeah, 
<laughs> that, that, that's right. That, that is right. Young, skinny kid. I was about 135 pounds. I left college 180 pounds. Something happened. That was a D-Hall food, dear brother. Uh, but I met this brother, Lee, on Ruel Kesey, uh, the first day of college. He was my transition counselor. And transition, <laughs> we got to tell everybody about transition, Leon. Transition was, we you know, yeah, we're going to enter you. We're going to give you a, what, a pardon. We're going to give you, a, what are you, a, what, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're going to give you, I can't even think, a, a transactional acceptance, like, you know, a conditional acceptance, dear brother. They said, yeah, you can come to JMU, but you got to take these two classes first, right? And if you do well in these two classes, then we might we might take you in. So, you know, being that James Madison was the only university that accepted me, I was like, well, I guess I got to go. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that, Leon, was I got my Hampton acceptance like three weeks after JMU you you know started school i was like wait yeah i know right come on hampton right i, <laughs> I might have been a different person um but leon was my counselor man and we developed this friendship and relationship and he has been one of the most influential persons in my life for the last 30 years and you know you've got so many accolades behind that behind that name leon ruel kesey you know but what i've known about you is that you've always been successful in everything you do you know health management uh, pharmaceutical sales and now pharmaceutical sales training but also how you have built a real estate magnet right you're a real estate magnet you built this robust real estate portfolio all because of your father and you know those are the things that we're going to talk about today but Liam before we get into it brother I ask all my guests what's your revolution you know, that's a great question. I, you know, I, I pondered that a long time. I, it was easy for me to say, uh, you know, my revolution is to ensure that my family and my boys are well taken care of. However, I kind of um, amended that and kind of said that I'm actually building on what my father built for me. And so I can build on what he gave his legacy, what he gave to me, so I can share that and provide for my sons and make them even better men and make them, you know, physically sound as well. Right. But also, you know, my revolution is to ensure that our people know how to build wealth, how yeah. to get out of debt, how to build wealth, and realize that it doesn't take, you don't have to be a millionaire to become a millionaire. You don't have to have a lot of money to become wealthy. Right, right. That's what my father shared with me. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, it's interesting, you know, we spent a lot of time in college, man, you know, and <laughs> going through those periods of time, you're like, I can't stand my dad, man. What's my, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My dad don't know what he's talking about. We spent a lot of conversations. That actually brought a lot of us, you know, our, our frat brothers together, like, you know, our, our fathers. But it's interesting, you know, and God rest your father's soul, man. You know, he was a good, good man and, and provided for you. You know, you're thinking about now what what the reverence that we actually have for these men, you know, that have given us life, that have given us our names, that have given us, you know, fortitude and strength. Uh, Leon, let's spend a couple minutes talking about your dad, you know. Uh, tell us about your father and, and, and his life a little bit. And, and what were the, some of the core values that he instilled in you as a young man? 
Well, I'll tell you what, um, you're absolutely right in terms of uh, us complaining about our fathers, but the point is is that we did have fathers, that we had some maybe a little rigid, and uh, maybe um, they had some, um, they, they were a little a little tough on us, showed us a little tough love, but uh, I guess we needed it at the kind, because we kind of turned out okay. <laughs> but in terms, of, in terms of my father, um, he was a military guy, came from a small town in Clarksville, Tennessee, okay? And so my dad would have been about 87 years old. So he was born in the 30s and raised in the 40s and 50s. So, you know, I share that because his life wasn't easy. He was uh, before segregation in the Deep South, okay? And so he obviously had to endure a lot of racism, a lot of uh, separatism, he had to, but he overcame it um, and joined the military. And I look back at a lot of his pictures and, and realize that he was maybe the only man of color in a lot of his units. And he rose throughout the military to become uh, probably the highest ranking, uh, one of the highest ranking uh, NCOs that he could be. He was the chief medicine sergeant, which was the E-9 in the Air Force. And, you know, at that time, we're talking about um, being promoted as a black man in the 50s and 60s and 70s, that had to be difficult. But one thing that I did know about my father is that he was very disciplined. Uh, he persevered a lot, but he also listened and learned from a lot of his people, um, a lot of people that uh, he was in charge of, and also been a lot of people that were in charge of him in terms of, you know, as a, as a chief master sergeant, Many times his uh, right-hand man, he was the right-hand man to a lot of colonels, uh, sometimes some generals, and he would listen to them, pick their brain about financial strategies. Right. And um, he learned a lot, and he implemented a lot of those strategies and became fairly successful financially. Um, I think he bought... Uh, three properties, rental properties, along with this, his own primary home, and some property in terms of land. Right. So, you know, those are the type of things that he did. That's the legacy that he built. Right, right. And you think, you know, you think about being in the military. My father is also a, a military man. And, you know, having been on the other side, he was he was an officer, retired lieutenant, lieutenant colonel. But what I heard from you was that discipline, right? And particularly, you know, our fathers are very similar. My father was born in 1929, like your father, grew up in the, you know, the 40s and 50s. Right. right. You know, having to, you know, got into UVA and then UVA said, you know what? No, you cannot wow. go. Right. It, exactly. So they paid for him to go to West Virginia State, right? Okay. You know, which was a predominantly African-American, uh, historically black university, right? Um, got into graduate school. But they said, you know what? Nope, you can't. You can't come here. So they paid for his way to go to NYU. So experiencing those, you know, you know, the exposure to racism and discrimination. That's how our fathers grew up. What I heard was that discipline that you have to overcome, right? And how was this man in the South from from Tennessee who's experiencing, you know, you know, forties, fifties, sixties? What that like is growing up in the South to to come up in the military, Leon, and then to say, you know what, I'm going to go out and buy real estate. 
What was that, you know, I wonder what his thinking was. Did he ever talk to you about why he began to see that real estate was the way to create wealth for not only for himself then, but also as a legacy for his family? You know, quite honestly, he... um he never really talked about that type of, uh, you know, building wealth and building a legacy in that respect. He always just did, um, you know, the things that he needed to do in terms of uh, um, showing me how to go and, and, and partner up with people and, and fix certain things in properties um, to, to, in terms of helping, in terms of financing, being financially aware. I had a lot of um, black enterprise magazines in the house. I had a lot of money magazines in the house. So a lot of, uh, you know, he just shared a lot of uh, information with me. We didn't really go over a lot, but a lot of times I just sat back and looked at him and looked at the things he was doing. I read a lot. Right. Again, black enterprise was huge for me. <laughs> and so um, it, it actually taught me a lot as well. Right, right. That's interesting that you say Black Enterprise. I want to let everybody know, because of your strategies and because of the things that you've been in, been able to implement into your life, right, you were featured in Black Enterprise a number of years ago, right? Tell us about that. What was that, what is, what was that for and what did that feel like for you as a young man? You know, you're early, I want to say, what, late 30s, early 40s? You're being featured in one of the most prominent black magazines in the country. Well, I, yeah, I, I take that. I, I was, I was probably in my mid thirties when I was featured. I think back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. But um, you know, I always bring up my father in terms of um, the building blocks that he helped me get to that point. Um, and I bring that up because he wasn't given anything. He built a lot of the wealth himself. He bought these houses, and at the time. Um, some of the properties that he bought were about $30,000. We're talking about, what, three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath houses. And by the time um, they were handed over to me, those properties were about 130000 140000 wow. So that's a wow. lot of equity, right? Right, exactly. Okay, and so I was able to take a lot of that equity and put that towards other rental properties. I would uh, at least put the, uh, the 20% down. And you need 20% down to prevent to prevent from um, paying uh, private mortgage insurance. But I would buy other rental properties and um, and have those for rental and, and just have those and build wealth and build accumulation that way. Um, some of the other properties that I use, I just thought of them as a little miniature banks. So I would take some of the money, some of the equity out, and I invested that money into the stock market as well. Right. Tell so, the story, Leon. Tell the story, brother. Well, and, and, and well, I'll tell you what. I think it was in the Bush era. The Bush era, obviously, um, George W. Um, he was obviously into energy, coal, et cetera. And so I knew that energy stocks would take off when he got into office. So I put maybe twenty or $25,000 into an energy fund and an energy mutual fund. Right. That energy mutual fund ended up being about, getting up to about 50 to 55,000. So almost doubled in about four years. Wow. And that's not typical, but it doubled. And so that's when I found out the value of the stock market as well. Mm, right, right. So basically what you're saying, Leon, right, what you're, what you're saying, and most likely why Black Enterprise was like, let, let, let's highlight this dude, is that, 
the wealth that your father created for you by buying the houses and understanding, right, what he needed to do to create wealth, right, to have income flow. And that's why we buy property, right? That, right. That's why, right? If we're buying excess property, we're, we want excess funds. We want residual cash to come to us every month. But what you're saying is that the houses that your father bought for $30,000, right, that he kept, that, you know, the buy and hold strategy, that he was then able to pass down to you, right, at a, at a you know, pass down to you with a huge amount of equity. You were then able to take that money to buy other houses, and I'm just trying to make sure that my listeners understand. Take yeah. right, the 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 um, the lineage that is happening here, right? To take that money to not only buy other houses, but then to invest in the stock market to create even more wealth, right? And so, as we're thinking about, I mean, let's let's break that down to its bare essence. Is that if we are thinking about creating long-term lasting wealth, right? We've got to think about not only what happens right now, but what can I do for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. You think about that, Leon, what you, no, what your father has done. Go ahead, brother. That's absolutely right. And, and that's the reason why, to be quite honest with you, I, I didn't mind being featured you know, in Black Pen Enterprise. It wasn't to boast or anything of that nature, but it was to really emphasize the need for um, you know, buying assets, holding on, passing uh, those assets down, um, and how to use certain assets to to make more money. Um, again, you know, those are just a, a few of the things that I was able to do. Uh, but another point that he actually shared with me when I found my first job, and uh, I'm surprised that uh, he actually knew about this, but, you know, the very first thing he said is that you need to make sure you invest 15%, they, had, they offered the 401k, and so you need to make sure that you invest 15% on that 401k and sock that money away so for, for later in rainy days. And at the time, the company that I was working for, they matched 100% up to 6%. So for every dollar up to 6%, they matched it. So that's basically free money. Right. So I was able to, you know, again, put 15% um, on my 401k, which is uh, a savings plan for, you know, private companies uh, and then the employees of those private companies. And that helped me save as well. So you're forced into saving with the 401k, you're forced into saving with the rental properties. Yeah, and that and helps gain yeah. That helps gain your wealth, right? And so you're con you're you're continually building wealth, right? And thinking through these strategies, and <laughs> thinking through these, and so as you continue to build wealth, because I'm, I'm just sitting here like, wow, you're just dropping jewels, Leon. Because we have to think about this, right? But the pushback that I'm gonna get, Leon, they're gonna be like, well, you know what? His father his father figured it out, right? He was able to leave him properties and because of that. But I don't got that right that. You know what I'm saying? Yep. No nobody left me a property, right? Nobody exactly right. So But that's the reason why I bring up where he was born and when he was born. He was he was he, he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. So he had to start somewhere. So he started the cycle and I'm in the middle of it and hopefully my kids will continue that. So as and as people now, as if you were here now, maybe you just need to take the first step 
to start the cycle. May you be the first person to start investing into your 401k. You be the first person to buy life insurance. You be the first person to buy a rental property. You be the first person to buy your own primary home so that you can share that with your children and your children's children. Right. You have to right. start somewhere. And that's, the, and that's and to be quite honest with you, um, building wealth is not easy. It's, uh, it's time. It takes a lot of time because that's how, that's the power of a, a compounding interest. That's the power of, of uh, just wealth over time. And so that's why I share where he was born, why he was born, um, the time he was born, the time frame. Right. It was not easy for a black man to accumulate wealth in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Still isn't. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's why I said the pushback is going to come. So you know, drop this for one second. You know, you know I'm, that, I'm that guy, right? I'm looking to buy my first house or I'm, I'm looking to gain some knowledge. Where do I go? Like, I, I want to buy my first rental property, right? But I may not have that 20% down, right? Because if, if it's a $100,000 property, which you really got to find, let's say it's a $200,000 property, I got to put $40,000 down. What's the strategy there, Leon? You know, do I save? Do I save that $40,000 first and then, or do, what, what are some strategies that people can use to say, you know what, I can get in the game? The first part of getting in the game is not even thinking about rental property, to be quite honest with you. The first mm. part of getting into the game is paying off your debt. Right. Um, Tell the story, brother. Tell the story. Because, to be quite honest with you, there's no reason to invest if, uh, you know, you have a credit card that is, has a 20% interest rate and you're paying that annually, you're not making any money because the cardholder companies are making that money. So if you can pay off your debt, that's the first thing. The second thing, obviously, is to pay off your student loans or, um, you know, any other kind of debt that might be, you know, holding you down. And that's for two purposes. One, it, one, it allows you to uh, be free of, of debt. Two, it also helps in terms of your credit score because, obviously, the higher credit score you have, meaning that you've shown that you've been able to pay your bills on time, you've shown that you don't have a lot of debt, just means that you have a lower interest rate. Right, right. The fact that when you do want to buy a property, I tell this story all the time. Um, when you buy, when I bought rental properties, I had to buy at a little higher interest rate, maybe about six percent. Okay, because the reason why is because banks know that you can walk away from rental property. Right, you, you can walk away from it. You're not going to walk away from your primary home, but if something goes bad, you lose your job, or, or something of that nature happens, you can walk thing. away from it and go for in default. So your interest rates are a little higher. A couple of years back, they had this program called the HARP program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Home. You remember that program? Yeah, I remember that program. It's the whole, uh, affordable refinancing program. Um, and so what that did, it allowed me to drop the interest rates from 6%. To four percent, wow, two percent drop, right? Right, that's what huge. What that did is huge. It it took off thousands of dollars off the mortgage, and in some cases, took off years. Right. In terms of the repayment plan, so I tell people all this story to say, hey, you need to, in terms of buying property, make sure you have a great credit score. Right. Make sure you don't have a lot of debt, revolving debt, credit card debt. Make sure you have a savings. You want to make sure you have an emergency savings first um, before you start getting into the investing. 
Lee, Lee, hold on, hold on one second, because you know there's 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 a, a specific number. Tell people like that emerging. How many months like should you have in savings to make sure that you're okay? Is it three months, six months, twelve months? What's the what's what's that number? Yes. Three months, six months, you know. Uh, he said yes. Right. <laughs> you know, I love that. Three months, six months, um, you know, 12 months is outstanding. But typically, you know, most people, you know, six months is a good figure. The reason why is because if you do lose your job, and, and we're in an environment where a lot of uh, companies are, are going back and forth, uh, they're buying each other out, people are losing their jobs for one reason or another. But if you but nine times out of ten, if you, you you had a job, you can find a job within that six month period of time, and so they kind of tell you to have about six months of just savings. Right, and six, six months, months savings. Six, yeah, six months salary. Like you, you know, like salary. Yeah, six months six salary. Months salary that uh, you can maybe put into a money market account. A money market account being maybe an interest at a point or two that's a little higher than what you have in your banks. But uh, it's just a, a good savings investment tool. Right. Then, if you want uh, to go into the rental property, buying property, or going into the investing game, that's where you start. Right. Right. And right. And the the thing about that is, you know, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about investment properties. What you said something is so key is that if you have a good credit score, like you're gonna go further. Right than anyone else, and you know, and my my old producer used to get on me because I would brag about my credit score. So we won't talk about that right now. But um, but yeah, what that what that good credit score does for you, it just it opens more doors and it allows for lower interest rates, right? Because you're less of a risk. You know, you know, people are say, hey, you've got this great credit score, you're gonna pay off your bills, and that's one thing. Again, if we're going back to our fathers, right? You know, Charles Jr. always said, if you borrow a dollar from me, you're going to pay that dollar back. Right. right? And so it instilled that value of, you know, what the value of money and the value of borrowing. And so I don't like debt. Right. I don't like, you know, you know, I don't like having credit card debt. I don't like I actually don't even like having rental debt. But right. Um, but that's good debt. If we're, if we're going to call it, it's their assets. But they, they are. They are. Right. Exactly. I'm gonna be right. honest with you. I'm I'm just like you, and I and I I call that the millionaire mindset in, in terms of just hating debt. Um, I um I I don't know if you remember. I I bought a couple of uh, insurance agencies uh, several years back. I remember. And um, and you know I got a loan, and the loan is for basically what you're doing is you're buying a book of business, or I bought two books of business. And so essentially, what a book of business is is that it's a you know your book of clients. So these are all clients that are you know their premiums, their their fees, they're, they're being paid to you, and you can service those. But um, and, and it's, a, it's actually a great and profitable uh, industry. But it was so against my nature because, again, I I, I borrowed money from uh, a lender, and uh, and so I was paying that monthly payment back, knowing that once I you know paid that loan back, that's a lot of money that's just going to be coming yeah. to me as an annuity right. drip. Right. But it was just it was so. Uh, against my thinking of having debt, because every time a client comes or goes, your money is coming or going. <laughs> right, right. You know, and so that that, that 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 did a little difference for me. So what I did is I divested, sold, and put that money back into the stock market, and put it back into some other real estate real estate properties um, that I ended up buying as well. Right. But, um, 
but that, yeah, I mean, so that's that, that millionaire mindset is key because, you know, it's easy to go out here and, and purchase uh, a BMW if you, if you have a nice job or a Mercedes or red bottom shoes or, you know, buy the, <laughs> Louis, the, the, Louis latest, Tons. Yeah. the latest clothes. But if they're not bringing anything of value back, then it's really kind of useless, right? And uh, and, it, and it does nothing but drive up or drive down your scores if you if you have a high credit number and your FICA score you're not paying that off. Right, right. It's interesting you say that because I I wonder particularly with the millennial culture and we see you know we've even seen bling bling culture come up through as, as we've grown up with hip hop and you know many my perception is that many of our young brothers are not thinking about long-term wealth, right? They're, they're, they like the flash. They like the bling. They like the nice clothes. And uh, it, it's funny, you know, as, as you and I are on the precipice of 50 and, you know, how I, I'm purging my closet, right? I, don't, I, I realize, like, if I, got, if I got one pair of these, I don't need to have six anymore, right? You know what I'm saying? I can only wear one at a time. And, you know, that, that nice suit, I mean, what, what, do I need to have 10 suits where I only really like three in the closet? You know what I'm saying? So all, all of those different things and, you know, just to even bring into the research a little bit, Leon, is that the brain actually only has so much decision making power each day. So when we go to sleep, our brain, you know, simply kind of refills our de- decision making tank. So that's why you see Zuckerberg and, and, and Pesos. They're always wearing the same thing. Right. Because there's there's no need because that's a decision in the morning that I don't have to make. I'm putting on a T-shirt and jeans and going. I don't have to think about that. And so yeah, I think exactly right. if I'm thinking about creating wealth, right, then I don't want to have to make this decision about, oh, I got all these clothes. I got to make the decision. No, I want to be making this decision about what's the next real estate deal or what's the next investment. And, um, you know, all these different things. Let, let's end this conversation with this side of this conversation, Leon, with the sure. question. Like, it all sounds good, right? This, this, sure. story, this story sounds great. You know, father, you know, father comes from, you know, menial, menial, circumstances, menial circumstances. He grows up under racism and discriminations, right? He buys houses. He builds wealth. He passes it on to his son. His son is then able to proliferate this wealth, right? Correct. Where were the pitfalls, Leon? Where were the blind spots that you missed, right? Because that's what yeah. people want to know, right? Yeah. Yeah. This sound, this story sounds great. What, what, what was that time where it hit you? Were like, you know, damn, I, I missed this. I made a mistake. Oh, I made a, a several mistakes, and, and that's why I tell people all the time when you, um, when in regards to let me let me let me let me go back in, in, in terms of a couple of mistakes and one things, a couple of things I really want to make sure that people know. Um, you know that 401k uh, scenario that I told you about. You know, my father said, "Hey, you need to make sure you invest your money into your 401k, 15 percent." And at the time, I invested all my. 401k money in the actual company stock. So, you know, when you, when when a company offers you for uh, 401k, it basically has a bunch of mutual funds, whether it be a growth mutual fund, a, a mid value, small cap, etc., or they can offer you the company funds. And at the time, my company was doing extremely well. And uh, so I just had all my money invested into that company stock. 
But then Enron hit. I don't know if you remember Enron. Yeah, I remember the, the boys from Houston, Texas. Right, right. <laughs> and that's what happened to a lot of those people. Those people um, had all their money invested in their own company stock. And so when that company uh, failed and went out of business because of fraudulent activity, those people lost their money. And so right. that was a huge, huge lesson for me. I, unfortunately, I didn't, you know, I didn't lose, but I, I made sure I divested or made sure I, I, um, I uh, diversified, excuse me, uh, my, my, my money and my funds within that mutual fund more so. So that was that was one lesson that I really like to share with folks because, you know, it's easy to say, hey, put your money in, the, in a 401k, but you kind of need to understand the 401k, what, what, you know, what is it offering, what does it do, and uh, I tell people to at least um, put in the amount of money that is matched by the company. So if they match 4%, at least put 4%. Right. If they match 6%, at least match, put in 6% of your pre-tax dollars. Right, so right. So that really is a benefit. Um, right. But Leon, that that sounds good. That's not, that, that, that's not but what, you know, people want to hear like, uh, where where did he fail? Oh, you know, well, wh- wh- what was that failure? Well, to be honest with you, um, um, you know, rental property, you know, so um, I've, I've been fortunate that uh, I have, um, I can fix a lot of things that can go wrong at a rental property. But if you don't know how to do that, um, you need to make sure that you have someone that does at all times. You need to make sure that so you're not calling and looking in the phone book trying to figure out, you know, who can fix X, Y, or Z. You need to have somebody that, can, that you trust. And, uh, and when I say that you trust, because, uh, if you, you know, they take you for your money, they can take you for a ride. Because if you don't know what's wrong or how easy something is to fix, you know, that's money that can be taken out of your pockets because they're just ripping you off blind. Right, right, right. And, and so, you know, I, I've had my rip-offs, my fair share of rip-offs as well, and that's where I learned that lesson. Um, in terms of... Uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of a really big mistake, I uh, is is people. You need to make sure that you vet uh, the people that rent your property. Right. Um, yes, you do. Yes, you do. They can make or break your love of rental property. Okay. <laughs> yes, they can, brother. You, you know because. Um, uh, you can have people that you that, that look great and. Um, and they maybe give you a story of you know why their their money was uh, off at a certain point of time. You kind of take pity and you rent to them, and next thing you know, your house is just tore up to pieces. Right. Because they just yeah. or they just don't pay on time, and you're having to go to court. And because they know how to work the system, they can you know, stay in their house. Bit, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll string it out. You know, those are yeah. those are kind of lessons that are just learned. From doing dumb things, and many times that's the reason why is because um, you try to rent something very quickly right. because you don't want right. to lose money. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but uh, you know, you really have to vet the people that are are are, uh, are renting your property, or you need to at least hire a person or a company that can do that for you. Right, right. Yeah, I just bought a rental property um, back in. October of last year and you know this show is about and for men of color and so there was a brother who was renting wanted to rent my property and my property manager said you know what Charles 
you know, I, I really, I really don't think this is a good opportunity for you. And I said, you know what? I can't be the dude that's out here pontificating about, right. you know, black men not being successful and not give this brother a shot. And I gave him a shot. And then, <laughs> you know, here, here's the other lesson, you know, and then you're very good at you need to pay attention to your money. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, in my previous property, the money just kind of came. I never really had any problems. And so I got lax on really looking at my money. OK. I, it was that account where I just never looked at because I knew the money was there. I knew the money was coming. Right. So I kind of still was in that mindset. And then I got, you know, I got a call from my bank you know, about five months into him being there and they were like, you're overdrawn. I was like, how am I overdrawn? Because I bought this property because it was making me like post like four or $500 a month. Right. And that's post all your, you know, all your fees, all your services. And I was like, what do you mean? I hadn't really been looking at my account. So that was my, that was my 100. And I, then I called my property manager and I was like, what's going on? And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, we've got to kick him out. He hasn't been paying the rent. I was like, one, as you said, you got to find people that you trust, right, to do the work, right, right. Who's going to work for you? Two, you got to follow the money, so because if you're not following the money, you're going to get burned like I did, right. And three, you got to vet your people and all the things that you said. If you don't vet your people, you know, and and, and you'll know down and down deep inside from a gut feeling, like you know what, I don't know about you, right. Mm -mm. And so I was sad that this brother, this brother, you know. Oh, he paid basically. He paid one month's rent, Leon, and so I, I, I basically had to eat that, and I was like, so I have made sure that that vetting process is even more stringent, because uh, you're right. The reason why we rent properties, the reason why we do things, is to make sure that we're making money. But well, I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, you talked about uh, going back to the Black Enterprise um, article. And one thing that they do is they um, hook you up or they um, with a financial advisor to kind of go over your balance sheet and, 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 and see where your holes are. And uh, and while I had the the six month savings, six to eight month savings for my own personal uh, properties, if you know if something should happen with me in terms of my job, et cetera, I, you should also have yes, two yes. or three, maybe four months of savings per property. Right. So exactly. if, if you know, obviously, if, if that property goes on, it goes vacant, you're not really pressed because that's when you make your biggest mistakes. Is when you're um, you're pressed for you're having to make sure make a payment. You're pressed because you. Um, um, don't have enough money um, to make a payment, and so you make bad decisions, putting bad people in, and and the next thing you know, you have um, you have issues. Right. Um, that's a good. That's a good lesson for people to understand. Like, oh yeah. You you don't rush into this game, right? I don't. And I if we if we bring it back to where the theme of this conversation is, I'm sure that your father did not rush, right, right in making decisions, and I'm sure that you have not rushed in making decisions because, like you said, you need to have your stuff in place because things do go wrong, right? You know, the stock market will fall, right? Oh, yeah. It go it goes up and down. Tenants will mess up your property. Right. And so do not think that as you get into this game of creating wealth, that they're not going to be pitfalls, that it's all, you know, that it's also rosy every day. I was reading oh, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, I was reading on Instagram. One of our frat brothers who invest in Houston, he bought he got into a deal like he bought the house for like nineteen thousand dollars. OK. Um, he rented, put twenty five thousand dollars in and right and then put it on the market for like seventy thousand dollars. Well, he hadn't assessed the market. 
So the house was beautiful, but there was no rental market and there was really no buyer's market. Right. right? So he basically had to hold on to the house with no rental market and no buyer's market. And so, you know, he basically finalized in his post. He said, I sold a house for break even. He said, lesson was know your market. So understanding all of that is key. That is very true. I think what you just said is what I talk about all the time, not in, 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 in what I do. I didn't bring, bring this up, but have a business plan. You basically should have a business plan for yourself in terms of, you know, what your financial goals are or whatever your, your business goals in terms of um, if you have a business or even your um, your goals within your company, you know, in terms of you have a strategy. What, what steps am I taking? But you should also have a business plan when you go out looking for a rental property. You need to know and understand, okay, who are my, you know, who who, who do I think would, would be renting from this property? For me, in this area where I live, I live near Hampton, Virginia, so we have a lot of military bases. We have a lot of uh, college kids, et cetera. And, and so you need to know, okay, so how much can I get for rent? And is that significantly higher than how much I'm paying on the mortgage? Right. And if it's significantly higher, then obviously that's a that's a good property for you. Um, you need to kind of estimate that about one percent of the value of the house is going to uh, per year is going to be for maintenance. So if you got a hundred thousand dollar house, what thousand dollars a year for maintenance, or you know, just kind of just or not one percent, ten percent, just just kind of making a, a just having that money available for if something should go wrong. You know, it's something that's inevitably ever always going to go wrong when you have a property. But the point and the reason for having property is to, uh, one, write off your taxes. Two, um, houses tend to go up in value. As I mentioned before, um, the house that my father bought for thirty, thirty-three thousand dollars, those houses went up in value to one forty, one fifty. So that's just. You know, that's what a, a three or four uh, fold increase in terms of the value of that property. That property then becomes um, something, an asset that your family can use or your, your, your sons or daughters or whomever you pass that house on to because that is nothing but equity. Equity is just how much money is in the house versus, versus and you can pull that money out to buy other things or to buy other properties. Right. The way I have mine set up is that um, all my properties are, should be paid off when I'm 60 years old. Wow. So, um, yeah, when I, when I, what, I, what I did, um, quite honestly, is I, I set up a... It's like next week, right? <laughs> what did you say? I said that's like next week. <laughs> yeah, so next week now. But uh, so what I did is I, I, I kind of did a business loan where I, I combined all my properties and put them under one loan and uh, or, you know, a business loan, which is uh, cons- consisting of three five year loans. Right. So for 15, you know, for 15 years. And so when I'm 15, you know, when I'm 60, excuse me, um, those houses wow. will just be an annuity drip. So that's basically all the money that comes from rent. That's going to be um, that's that's money. That's, that's money. That's my income. Right, right. So another savings tool. That's just another uh, form for me to, uh, if I need to travel or need to, you know, send my other kids off to, to college or grandkids off to college, right. and I have that right. kind of money to to Man, to, to do that. And so right. that's the reason why I have it set up like that. Right. Um, we could spend a whole show on that right there, Leon. 
Yeah. Lynn, I want to move the conversation a little bit. Sure. You've spent a copious amount of time just talking about this and you've dropped pearls and jewels. And, you know, I'm sure that my listeners would be like, yo, I hadn't even thought about things like this. You know, we've couched this in legacy. You know, our, sure, our, sure, our, sure. our father's our father's legacy. But you, Leon, are a father yourself. Right. And you are raising two young boys, right? Two Christopher and Christian, right? Two young boys in this world. You know, think about that, you know, as your father passed down this legacy to you. Right. What is you what are you doing now, right? And it doesn't have to you know, we don't have to spend that time on on wealth. Well, but yeah, what are you what are you doing now to create a legacy for Christy, Christopher and Christian? Right, my daughter as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I tell people all the time, it's not just money that you know you pass down. You know, the investment that your family did for you was was paying for you or or preparing you to go to college and that's my, the main thing that I'm doing uh, now for my boys. I'm in the process of uh, I have a, a rising senior, so you know every year during his high school summers, I, I, I put him in some kind of program at a college or institution, so he can kind of understand. Hey, this is what goes on in the college life. So just preparing him for college and then once he's in college I'll start doing a couple other things to start preparing him getting him internships or you know networking and, and getting him into programs that would boost his resume so once he gets out in the work he, he has that that background and so it's nothing a surprise so that's the biggest thing that I want to make sure that I do for um, my, my 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 sons and my daughter that's what I did for my daughter I can't I can't say that um, um, I, what I did without bringing in my wife my wife is very instrumental in terms of uh, <laughs> Terry McAdams Keezy. We got to give her give her a shout out. <laughs> right. I mean, she started a company to to make sure that when my daughter um, graduated from uh, her master's program, that she uh, has her own company and uh, as well as her her job, so she can she's um, she she she's set up in that way. Um, I was able to. Um, buy her a property just based off I just just dumb luck quite honestly uh, I was just searching the internet and saw something that uh, sparked my interest at a really inexpensive rate that was about to go into foreclosure and um and was able to buy it but uh but you know those are the kind of things that you you know we pass on to your kids but the biggest thing is the education aspect of it because the education is the gift that keeps on giving right um you know not only you know, it doesn't benefit them. They are under the impression that that's what they're they're going to pass on to their kids. That hey, um, you know, it's it's it's, it's not. Um, we we are known. We're going to be going to college. We're going to probably try to go to or get our professional degrees, et cetera, or or whatever we can. Because the, obviously, the more education you get, um, nine times out of ten, the more money over your lifetime you will right, make. As right, a matter of fact, exactly. the numbers show that for men, um, um, I think it's for, for college grads, make $900,000. Yeah, almost a million dollars. Exactly. Oh, yeah, over their lifetime. And again, there's, there's you know, 
people that uh, don't, people that do. There's, 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 uh, but there's anomalies. But for the most part, um, almost a million dollars. And people that have professional degrees, so you doctors like yourself, they make about 1.5 million more than your average high school graduate over time. But that's not to say that your high school graduate can't get into the investment market or can't get into the rental market because my father was just a high school graduate. Right. Yeah. And my boy, my boy Quint, he's done this. He's done the same thing. Exactly. High school diploma. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Leon, think about this. So, think about this. You got two black. You got two black boys growing up in right. in America. In, and I hate to say this, right? And in right. twenty nine in twenty nineteen, you know, we, and we spent a lot of time. I remember us coming back from homecoming a, uh, a number of years ago when. Uh, Barack Obama was running was running for president, and I remember every time right. you saw an Obama stick, you were like, "Yes!" And you even got like even hyper when you saw it on a white person's car. Right, right. Oh yeah, you, yeah. And, and only, the reason why is because, and I, and I tell people all the time, the people that say, "Well, you know, Obama didn't do this for me, or Obama didn't do that for me," um, he wasn't supposed to. What what he represented is you know, every time you turned on the TV, you saw an eloquent black professional. And so if he inspired just one minority boy, that was a huge accomplishment. But he obviously inspired many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people that to, to, to realize that they can do anything, that they can break the glass ceiling as long as they, you know, kind of followed his his lead you know he kind of set the foundation i tell people all the time don't try to reinvent the wheel look at what was successful and follow that and enhance it that's all i've been doing with exactly uh, you know and is just you know not reinventing the wheel but you know enhancing what was 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 already given to me but that's what you know obama kind of represented and i really appreciate that but you're right in terms of this environment now obviously with the police etc you know we do have to um you know, we do have to have those discussions uh, about interacting with the police, et cetera. You know, my son just started driving um, within the last part, you know, last year, actually. Right. He was 17, he's now six, he was 16 then. What was that talk like, Leon? What was that, you know, because, you know, our parents gave us the talk. What was the, what was that like for Christopher and Christian, you know, for you as a dad? What's, what was that talk like? What did you say? That talk is, quite honestly, fearful. And, uh, you know, that, you know, like I said, being a father, you have a lot of joy and a lot of fear because every time, you know, your kids go out, um, you fear for things. You know, you think you think about things, whether it be a drunk driver, police, you know, whatever. But uh, but you, you, you don't rest easy until your, your child is back home. And uh, and so that's and so you have. But when you have that talk, you know, you have to say, hey, this is. You know, this is not about, you know, being macho. This is not about showing off for your kids. This is not keeping it real or keeping it 100. What you're trying to do is make sure you keep alive and keep um, and keep it going. But uh, and, and be respectful. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, yes, sir, no, sir. There's Still nothing there. wrong with yeah. that because, you know, that, that breaks the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are at the time they pull you over in a more powerful position. So, you know, you can be, you can make $100,000, $200,000 a year, but that police officer at the time is in a more powerful position when they pull you over. And so realize that, expect that, and understand, you know, for the most part, um, these are good people. I mean, you're going to have some bad apples 
you know, unfortunately, you have a few more bad apples than we regularly regularly expect. But uh, but for the most part, treat these people with respect, and hopefully they'll treat you with respect. But the key goal is to make sure that you come home safe and alive right and you know I, I, my mother always you know even now i'm sure that um marion good good marion marion keezy man your mother was your mother was always beautiful to all of us as we came to the house man make sure you tell her i said hello you know she was absolutely she, she has always been a, a, a blessing to us but i'm sure she gave you the same talk as my mother even now you know be safe you know, my mother, she still wants to know, Leon, when I land, what hotel oh, yeah. I'm staying in, you know, all, the, all these different things. And um, but it is very interesting time. And as, as fathers and myself, a godfather, the conversations that we have with our young boys and even, you know, with our young women. I know that you've had the conversations with Christy about what how do we navigate in this world? How do we show up? And, you know, the conversation that you and I had over a couple of weeks ago about Christopher. Right. As he yeah. is, you know, he, he is the, you know, how do we want to say he is, I don't want to call him the anomaly. I don't want to call him the aberration, but he's the, he's the scholar athlete. Right. right so, right, right. right. He, he's, you know, he's what we consider a nerd, but a, a baller at, at the same time. You know, what has that been like for him? And as a father, how have you helped him navigate? Because there's so much literature out there about this, this confluence of acting white, right? That our boys, right, right, our, right. our boys should not be smart. They should be ballers. But he is the epitome of both of them. So how does he navigate that? And how do you help him do that? Well, to be honest with you, a lot of it is just innate in him. I, and and I, I, I have to give his his mother the credit in terms of just his just his academic prowess because he's just he's very he's very very smart. Um, um, in terms of basketball, he just picked up um, that skill on his own. You know, yeah, because he did not he did not get it from you. You were a brick not you were a brick layer in college, man. I hated balling with you. It was like. <laughs> You shot like Robert Parrish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he was one of those kids, but he's one of those kids that uh, is, and just like my daughter as well, they're they're very proactive. And so he he wanted to play, and he picked up the ball, and he started doing some things that were just um, just amazing. And I tried to cultivate that, to be quite honest with you. Um, and but uh, a lot of it is was in him. But um, but you know so essentially my job as a, as a parent is just to sit back and cultivate where he needs to be cultivated. Um, you know obviously academics is number one. Uh, you know athletics is is great, but that's you know that's obviously in the background because academics is, is kind of key in our family. But um, and then in terms of you know how he should act or how he should be perceived. You know, we understand that, uh, you know, you know, everyone doesn't have the same opportunities that he has been given. And uh, he's been very fortunate, been, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to kind of give him certain, certain academic opportunities. And, uh, and he, he values that, but, uh, but he has friends that uh, come from backgrounds that uh, don't. And, um, but he, he just meshes right in and, and right. I try to help them. I try to, you know, all his friends are, are my sons. Quite honestly, um, mm, they, they all eat my food. Figure, right, yeah, exactly. exactly right. They, um, you know, the, I try to lend my advice, try to, to praise them as much as I can because I, um, I try to ensure they see me doing the right thing at all right. times. Uh, quite honestly, I stopped listening. I mean, I, I don't really listen to 
uh, a lot of um, you know music anymore because I, I just couldn't you know in t- terms of can't understand the mumble rappers exactly Eagles. I couldn't understand <laughs> the mumble rappers but also some yeah. of the lyrics so, so uh, you know I don't really drink in front of my kids because I never want them to kind of say well you do it or you listen to that right right so I can do it or so I can do it exactly but, I mean that's not for everybody that's just me but um, but that's just something that I, I chose to do. And in terms of uh, just, you know, acting the way he should act, I think he just realized it, but he appreciates that he's um, a nerd for all intents and purposes. Um, You know, I was was telling some folks, he he goes to a pretty um, affluent school, and uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, he is the only African-American boy, black boy, uh, in his 11th grade class that has the highest honors. Wow. Like, wow. You know, that's, that's, I mean, you're super proud, but then you're like, wow, okay. Yeah. Let's see if uh, we can get some of his buddies. Now, some of his buddies, quite honestly, were in, when they were in honors, that's just great, but, but then when you look at the, uh, the athletic program, you realize you have a lot more African-American right. kids, kids in the school and they weren't there on the academic side. And so we need to kind of ensure that we emphasize both, uh, athletics and academics and uh, i try to emphasize both right leon you know i told you that you know when we talked earlier man the hour was going to go fast sure and it all it always does brother look we got about 30 seconds left but i want you to drop a jewel like you know this show is about men and the people who love them where we talk about how we embrace the healthiest versions of ourselves you know as, as both of us get older and the the creaks and the aches and the the conversations in our head get louder how are you taking care of yourself oh right? man what's that tidbit that you give to us to say you know what i i can do this i can be Leon Kesey. Man, the biggest investment is investment in yourself. That's both, uh, you know, the w- w- what you eat, exercising, because there's no use of, uh, you know, trying to accumulate wealth if you're not here to enjoy it mm-hmm. with your family. So you try right. to eat the things you should eat, um, try to exercise daily, because that not only helps uh, with your, just your physical uh, abilities, but it helps with your mental abilities. You know, sometimes you need to de-stress um, by going for a run or a walk. My, for me, it's a walk, uh, uh, you know, walk run type situation right or going into the weight room or to the aerobics room and and doing your thing so investing in yourself is key so not just financially but emotionally and spiritually in church etc okay yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And what I what I did hear is that you were doing aerobics with Jane Fonda. I know. I, I remember. I remember back at Jane. Exactly. Yeah, you had the leotards on and you would go. But look, man, I appreciate I appreciate the time, Leon. It, it means so much. Real estate magnet, real estate mogul, uh, pharmaceutical sales training expert, uh, retired lieutenant colonel. Leon, is is that correct? No, 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 no. I was a major, but uh, we're we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, so major. Uh, you know, you've done so much for our communities. You've done so much for me. And I want to, you know, just be grateful that, you know, one of my longest, bestest friends, Leon Kesey, you know, first day of college. And we've been friends ever since, you know, Brothers of Omega Sci-Fi, all that and more. Brother, I thank you for your time. And I thank everybody for listening to this show. It means so much that you spend time. Make sure that you subscribe on Apple uh, Podcasts. So you can listen to the show, SoundCloud.com, backslash What's Your Revolution. I want to give a shout out to my producer, Jazz Williams here at the Millhouse Studio. We will catch you next time and always be able to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life, everyone. What's your revolution? We'll see you soon, everybody. Peace.